1: Johns. I just got more comfortable. I don't really get upset if I miss a throw. Yeah, I mean, I'm constantly growing every day. I know that I can make that throw. My goal is
2: to
3: just improve every day. There's always going to be things that I'm going to have to work on at the end of the day. You know, football is football. From
4: NBC, NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Adam Ho. Justin, it just looks different. The ball just zips. And from the, from the athletic, it's Adam, Adam John's.
3: His ability to put the ball consistently in areas for only his guy to get it. That's different. It's the
0: Adams. Greatness doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's just, it's a process. Hogan John's. The Adams Converge. Let's begin now.
4: What's up? Welcome in a special bye week episode of Hogue and Johns coming your way before we take a little bit of a, a bye week ourselves, if we can. Uh, what's up, Johnsy? How you doing? Well,
3: well, after that Tampa game, that all-nighter that a couple of us pulled, I need the rest.
4: Yes. It's a good weekend um, off. Especially because you, you must need it because you don't even know what city we were in the other day.
3: Did I say Tampa?
4: Yes, you did. We were in Pittsburgh. They're very different. They're located in different areas of the country. Tampa was the city that
3: we were caught in for an extra night. I can't remember. So we've had some uh, traveling issues. We have. These couple road trips.
4: We definitely have. Uh, We are ready for a break. But before we do that, we wanted to make sure we had a really big bi-week episode for you. A little bit of a, you know, collaboration tends to be a big word on this podcast, as you know, um, with the Bears. So uh, we thought we'd collaborate with two of our favorites, Robert Mays and Nate Tice. You know them well. They've been on the podcast many times before. I don't know if we've ever had us all together though. So this is great. Oh. And you can hear them on the athletic football show at any time. So make sure you are subscribed and checking that out uh every week. You know, you can listen to us for the Bears stuff, listen to them for the whole NFL thing. And we are thrilled to have them on. What's up, guys? Oh, Not a man. lot, man. Appreciate you guys having me.
1: Yeah, that's great. This is like a, like a little tag team like We are just like invading. Like, this is great. You know, usually Hoge and I can talk Badgers. So I got pairing there. No, so really, it's just me and Johns. That's the only alliance I don't have so far.
4: <laughs>
1: well, we can build the alliance
4: here. Uh, Nate brought up a good point before we started. I mean, in terms of one syllable uh, last names, we got you covered here on this podcast. Johns, yes. Hoag, Tice, Mace. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. It's true. It's, it's, it's very nice. Good. Nice and easy for you on this one. (laughs) Um, So we're going to give you guys the full Hogan Johns experience. You know, we still have some loose ends to tie up from the game the other night, uh, which we'll take any and all of your input on. We have our voicemails that we always do in our midweek episodes. So you guys will get to hear those uh, live and react. So we're excited about that. And uh, really, we just need to talk about the direction of this franchise um, with A lot of question marks still, but hey, uh, maybe a bright spot at quarterback. So let's just start here. Robert Mays, uh, as you wear your Clark Griswold hat, for those of you watching on YouTube, (laughs) hopefully you're watching us subscribe to the, the Hogan Johns YouTube channel. What was your thinking as you're watching that game unfold on Monday night? Because, boy, it looked awful for a really, really long time. And then for the first time that I can remember... Johns and I actually had an entertaining like fourth quarter to react to on like like on a national stage with good quarterback play. I we we were actually we didn't even know how to handle it because it was so weird. At this stage, and we've talked about this a decent amount on our show, my
2: Bears consumption experience is all about me filing away five to seven really nice Justin Fields moments and not caring about the outcome of the game. So in that world, Monday night was perfect. I, they they <laughs> lost the game. I'm sitting there and I'm just beaming for the next hour. My fiance is on the couch like, didn't they lose? I was like, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because that's all I wanted. I just want to see him pile up moments. Nate said it perfectly on the mailbag show we did this week. Process and progress. Is the process good? Is he making progress? That's what you need to look at with a young quarterback when you're concerned about the circumstances, when everything's not going to be perfect. Are you getting incremental gains in those two areas? And going back and watching that game, even the first half when it was ugly, he's making good decisions. He's working quicker. All the things you want to see from him are what we're seeing. And if you're being honest with yourself, as a fan of this franchise, as an analyst and observer of this franchise, what matters most now? is getting that right and figuring the rest out later. So if there are silver linings, beams of light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to the quarterback, that to me becomes the most important thing.
3: And I think with that that process and that progress, at least on Monday night, you almost saw it have a direct impact on the outcome of the game. Like if the defense does its job, Justin Fields wins that game. He gave you... A couple of those moments in a game winning like drive, the the 39 yarder, Allen Robinson, the rolling out, scramble to his left, throw on the move to to Darnell Darnell Mooney, which I thought was even a better throw than the 39 yarder. That was, I mean, if you're the Chicago Bears, you have to be so encouraged. I think, Hulk, you put it in in your your 10 Bears things, like the reaction of Ryan Pace in, in the press box. I mean, he should be slamming the desk. He should be pounding yeah. on the... So that was on what the what throw
4: to Jimmy Graham up the seam. It's even oh, a different yeah. moment, which, yeah. Which, uh, Matt <laughs> it's Nagy even a either. different moment, yeah. Yeah, well, and that's uh, to me, that was the best throw of the game. And Matt Nagy called that a top three Definitely. throw in the NFL this year. I don't know what the other two are. I found that like a, <laughs> like a funny comment. But still, it, it was. I mean, it was a great <laughs> throw. It's, and I'm not sure it's a throw he makes even attempts two weeks ago.
1: It's, and that's funny. Yeah. It's probably a uh, Mahomes throw and a Justin Herbert throw, or probably the other two that like I could be safe to say with those two, but it's honestly that seam throw. It, it was that I mean, it was that was just a rare why call him a one percenter throw, like just an S tier throw, however you want to put it, because that so I get it's really fun for me because I liked Fields independently. And then now him becoming a bear is really fun because obviously doing the show with Robert and, <laughs> and kind of getting so I get kind of like. Even when weeks I'm not paying attention, I'm paying attention like by just proxy (laughs) with with Robert and talking to him. But hearing Robert talking about, oh, hey, Lions fans, hey, you guys just want to look competitive, you know, fight it out and and go 0 and 17, and you're you're ecstatic about this season. But then how he's kind of bridged that talk to Bears talk and going, Hey, Bears fans, we just want to see Justin Fields do five to seven good things and then move on with our lives. Like that, that is what we're what what we're going through. But Last, or Monday night, yeah, I'm, I'm, just like, like, uh, John's here, just going like, uh, what night is which and which team is playing which. <laughs> no, I think this is the Tampa no game. <laughs> but on Monday night in that game, that seam ball throw too, it was like, it, it honestly, it was just like, you, you throwing a guy open because it was a four verts concept and like, he's covered, like he's covered. And it's like, you honestly, it's putting it where the, the guy can catch it and that's it. And that's same with the Mooney touchdown. It's he's putting it where only his guy can make a play. Even the fade ball to Jimmy Graham that uh, kind of got broken up, what, which one, which fade ball to Jimmy Graham. But the one that actually almost got completed, like that one hits Jimmy Graham right perfect spot right in the hands. And it's like that's the thing what a good quarterback does. They just give you chances to make those plays. You might not always do them, but the results do come if you're going to at least put them in spots that they can make plays. And that's what Justin Fields did. I mean, he really did. I don't, I don't, however way you, you cut it up, that's what he did for an entire game. It was really cool. And I've got three more.
2: He the there was another <laughs> four vert. There was another four verts to Jimmy Graham up the seam that was the right read. He tried to put it right up the seam to Jimmy Graham, who was the number three receiver on the right. Graham got bumped by the safety. But mm-hmm. if that bump doesn't happen, it's great ball placement. It's again yes. where he wants to put that ball. The throw he missed to Mooney down the right sideline is not a bad ball. I mean, that's nope. two inches from being completed. He had Allen Robinson wide open down the middle (laughs) on that play yeah yeah because they split the safety like you have to choose one of them but it's the right way to be aggressive there so there are multiple other throws in this game that are a yard two yards away from being completed that are high difficulty throws that's the coolest part about this is that the other quarterbacks we've seen that are rookies either last year or this year they're doing this in a way that's kind of spoon-fed to them. The mental part of the game is nice, and the accuracy and the processing is nice with Burrow or Mac Jones or whoever. It's funny that Justin Fields looks best when he's doing the hard stuff. I throw the quick game in the garbage. Yeah,
4: like, I am so no more tired hitches. of stick no more hitches. and hitches so and double many hitches. slants <laughs> no <more> and hitches. <laughs> all this stuff. The I interception came in the, the quick throw. game. The, the, yep. the Yes, the, 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 yes. Uh, which yep. lineman was it? Was it Hayward who made the play? Yeah, Cam Hayward. yeah that, that was in the quick game. Yep. Throw that stuff throwing, in the, the trash can. Yep.
2: I, I want to just have him push the ball down the field. He's throwing a deep curl to Darnell Mooney on what looks like kind of a dagger concept 20 yards down the field. That's where he looks best right now. Open yeah. this stuff up. Don't yep. take the training wheels off because, weirdly enough, it's almost – Nader reminds me of conversations we have about Justin Herbert, where it looks better when you are letting him open up the throttle. And I th- yes. that's how I feel right now with the way that
1: they're doing this and the way they're constructing the offense. And, what, and those hitches, too, and all that quick game stuff. First off, yeah, the fact that he can do the hard stuff is why, like, why you like him. He's a freak athlete, but he doesn't want to be a freak athlete. (laughs) He wants to push the ball 20 yards down the field. He wants to throw seam balls to Jimmy Graham that's covered. He doesn't go, there's so many quarterbacks, I'll include myself, that would look at that and go, I'm checking that down. You know, and just go, "Ah, I'm living to play another day. And then because the quarterback coach would go, hey, good job. You're you're taking the single there. You're living to play another day. But he's like, I want to win. And he's pushing those balls. Even the field out that got called back because of the illegal formation. What a what a great those are hard, hard throws. And it's funny to me watching this offense go, Oh man, we don't have to run hitch routes every time. You run quick game to replace the run or to complement your run game. The Bears run game has actually improved like the last few weeks. They've really honed in on the zone stuff that they do. You don't need to run quick game now. You don't need to run those four or five yard routes. Like just let him read stuff out. You can go half field reads and make it easy on him, but push the ball. And they're kind of getting there, but you can still tell, like in the first half of last game, they're still just have that we gotta run all hitches, or we gotta run spot, which is you know a hitch in a corner in a flat. Like it's just they just can't help themselves. That's like that's what they're comfortable with. And then I think they're realizing it's like we don't have to do that. We don't have Alex Smith back there. Who has to throw a quick game and throw short of the sticks? We have to. We can push stuff, and so I think they—they're just trying to figure out what can we run because they've never done it.
4: <laughs> well, and that's one of the things I, you know, Nate. I remember we talked about this shortly after the draft when we were talking about Ohio State's offense yeah. and how many similarities there are, like in the verticality and them trying to go deep in that offense to what the Bears want to do, and yet yeah. we've been sitting here for weeks like, where is this stuff? Then all of a sudden in the second half on Monday night. Yep. I'm sitting there in the press box like this looks a lot like the Ohio State offense. Like this is yep. what <laughs> this is what we've been talking about and to your guys's point like they're letting Justin Fields do it. Yeah. My uh, thing it's is it,
2: it, what frustrates me the most is when teams compound one problem by creating another problem. And a lot of teams that have trouble protecting The way that they react to that is they say, well, we're just going to quick game the heck out of this and we're going to get the ball out of his hands. But then your offense compresses and then everything starts getting tighter and you have no answers. So I would rather try to find a world where let's make sure, and they did this a decent amount in smart ways outside of the boot into TJ Watt. They were chipping. They were lining up a tight end or a receiver close to the formation, just giving somebody a little... like flash a color to make you slow down a little bit let's worry about how we can supplement our pass protection while pushing the ball down the field not overreact to the fact that we don't trust five-man protections by condensing everything because with a quarterback who doesn't like working in those tight spaces and with somebody who has the mindset that he does that's not the proper
1: solution yeah and we talk about like progressing on a play too and that those types of plays, if you're going more vertical, it becomes more of a touchdown to check down offense, which is a fun offense. But with their league's going right now, they want you to throw a quick game. What defenses want you to do and what Robert is alluding to as well is if all you're facing, all these quarter shells, these two high defenses, these cover twos. They want you to throw short and they're going to just tackle you and they're going to go, hey, take that five yard gain. We do not care. But you're getting a quarterback that actually just wants to push the ball. So it's like, all right, let's have an offense that wants to do that. And what Roberts to talk about too is that, like, if you watch the Bengals last year, they went empty, 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 empty. Like, oh my god, every single play, you almost become predictable in that sense. And you're saying, hey, we're going to beat the rush before the guy gets home. But the other th- line of thinking is the quarterback also has to get rid of the ball quicker. And then the de- and then the next step for the defense goes well if the quarterback has to get rid of the ball quicker, then the safeties can play at ten yards. And then it just becomes okay. Now we're just running into walls just because we love this little concept. and But it, that just makes it so hard, so hard, so hard. And when we're watching that Ohio State offense, that was the thing that really ticked me off was that, like, so many people are going, like, oh, he stares down his receivers. And, and I'll be honest, I felt like that was coded. But it was just going, like, going into watching what he, Justin Fields did, he was almost too perfect, like he was too letting stuff develop. He was trying to actually progress on these concepts, and they're vertical concepts. That's what they're asking him to do. It's been really cool. We're talking about process and progress watching him week after week. Maybe it's because he got his head taken off a couple of times. Maybe it's because he just realizes what's around him is that he's trying to be quicker. Sometimes yes. on Monday, there's a couple times where actually I was watching it because I, I did a stream on it watching it. I was like, oh, man, he actually bailed a little too quick there. But I was like also thinking I was like, that's because he knows he has to. He's like, screw that. I'm done waiting for the, like guessing that the O-line is going to hold up here. I'm going one and done with my reads. And it's kind of funny that he's now become what you almost don't want to see, but it's good to see him do it, that he's going one and done with his reads. He's going one, my O-line sucks, I'm scrambling. <laughs> awesome. And it's yeah. like, so, but that's what he, I think it's clicked for him. And I think that's like, that's what he, every week he gets better. Even if the Bucks game wasn't great, there's stuff that he's improved upon from, the Browns game, or or even his first start with the bang, or time with the Bengals, you know that little half that he played. It's like that stuff. He's improving, and that's what you want to see. It's that's why you have to watch it week in week out, which you guys do. I know.
3: Yeah, everything you're saying just reminds me how much of a process this is for Matt Nagy and specifically yeah. Bill Lazer. I mean, Bill Lazer is not calling plays for Andy Dalton anymore. Like these, these are not the Bengals for, from years ago. Um, they're trying to figure out what. Works for like what works for the offensive line, what works for that run zone or that zone rushing attack that they have and just really for fields. And what works for them, like I I keep thinking that Lasers what what's this, like his fifth or sixth game? Calling plays? Like he, he lost that privilege after last year and just how unique the Bears play calling has been and, and figuring out what this offense can be and how much of a process that is not just for, for Nagy, but for Bill Lazer, who's actually the one communicating with Justin Fields on every single snap.
1: Yeah. And and that is, I think, there is, someone watching it, especially on Monday night, it's, this offense sometimes feels like it is too many cooks in the kitchen. Like it just feels stuff can get a yeah. little disjointed. What very is it? Si- How
2: would you describe it to somebody? That's what I was thinking about. Like it's, That's, it is so many different, it's like a hodgepodge of so many different things. It's like a, you, It's a Diet Coke version of a Kubiak offense half the time, and then there's some Saints stuff with the way they're running their four verts concepts, and it's just they don't know what they want to be because they're figuring it out in real time. It's not even necessarily a criticism, but if I was trying to put it in
1: a box right now, it'd be really hard to figure out which box to put it in. It's funny sometimes watching it. I'm like, well, I know which Chiefs game he just watched. Like, cause like you could just see <laughs> when you watch some Chiefs play from two weeks ago and also two weeks later, you see the Bears around. You're like, oh, got it. Okay. That, that, that honed in. He got, he copied on that to, uh, it's a, a two week lag I figured out with, with Nagy with the Chiefs stuff. But yeah, watching, watching it sometimes is just like, and then when you watch a good offense, you can be disjointed or be very, uh, Ball play, I guess is a good way to put it where it's very like, Hey, we have a good play here. It looks different from the other play here. It looks different from the other play here. Not everything has to be McVay from the last three years where everything looks exactly the same. There's ways to do it. There's a million ways to skin a cat, but it's just this offense though. You can tell it's just like, Hey, it's second and seven. What play do we like with no prior regard to what they called before or no prior regard to what they've seen before. It's just like, we like this play on Tuesday. Let's run it, run it right now. So that, that's why it's so weird. I'm, I'm saying negative because in the second half, it really felt like they adjusted. It was the first time I felt like this bears offense adjusted. And I, I can't I, say actually, that I, a lot.
4: <laughs> no.
3: I know. And,
1: no. and I'm actually giving a compliment. Robert alluded to it. They started chip helping. There was an empty yeah. play. They had, I love the design of it, but the problem was Robert or Robert Justin Fields went one and done with a read because he knew he was an empty and it was Y cross. Um, so later in the game, I actually, on the stream, I'm going like, man, they win this empty stuff. Man, good offenses with chip help. I, I've said on the pod, the offenses are chip helping out of this now. The next time they went empty, they're chip helping. And I was like, hey, hey, they actually like. Hey, they like way, way to go. Like, I was actually like astounded that they did it, but then they continue to do it throughout the game. It was like, okay, but that's what normal offenses do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every yeah. time I'm applauding the one time that I've seen them do it. <laughs>
3: and, and, and like, it doesn't have to be pretty, pretty either. There, there's one play no. I remember, like, specifically, Demir Bird is the guy who's going to chip. I, I don't think it was Watt, but all he did was just like slap the guy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all. That's it. Like, you literally, need to you touch him sometimes. Slap the guy. It's and just it presence. It, yeah. It, it changed the run. So f-
2: yep. It's funny that you mentioned the Demir Bird thing, though, because that is, to me, one of the funniest parts about watching this offense, even when it's working, right? Yeah. You have, we have we have glance routes to Marquise Goodwin over the middle of the field yeah. who should yeah. exist outside of the numbers. It was yes. not a good throw. Like He led him into Micah Fitzpatrick coming down, but that still is a mismatch yeah. of personnel and role in that setting. Also, when the Bears are coming out in these 13 personnel sets – with no blocking tight ends. Oh, I know. There are no plus plus blockers at tight end for this team. And they're still trying to live in this heavy world. It, it just speaks to how even the personnel is just thrown together out of mild desperation. And there really isn't any sense for how all the parts fit together right now.
1: Oh, yeah. They get those three tight ends. It's so funny. They try to hide Jimmy Graham on the back. And it's like, yeah. all right, Cole, commits <laughs> you yes. your lead blocking on TJ Watt. Good luck, good luck, bud. Well, and this is where it's it gets. Cole
2: l- is Jeff Swaim. Yeah.
1: yeah, this is where it gets
4: frust- frustrating too. I think covering this team a little bit on a week-to-week basis, because like we'll we'll have weeks like where the conversation last week was all about how Justin Fields has developed his chemistry with Jesse James, right? And like nobody's here is trying to make Jesse James into something bigger than he is, but like also Silver Jimmy liners. Graham's obviously not what he was, and so if he really does have this chemistry with a guy he actually got to work with in the preseason, which is something we always talk about on the podcast, like just play him more than Jimmy Graham. And so then they get in that red zone situation right at the end of the first half, <laughs> and they're forcing the ball to Jimmy Graham on three straight plays, and on the last one, Jesse James isn't even on the field. And it's like, that that's the stuff where, like, yes, you want to give him a lot of credit for what happened in the second half, and yes, they did yes. make adjustments, but it's like... When you're even the one talking during the week, like Matt Nagy's openly talking about the chemistry the guy has with Jesse James. Just listen to yourself. Like, what, Just yes. listen to what, yourself. What, I was like, what is I just, I don't know. And then boots, everybody in Chicago. Boots, screens, where are they? Why does it take five possessions to run a boot with yes. Justin Fields? And then the first time they do it, on the first play of that fifth possession, 25 yards, easy completion, the Colt come at. It, And it happened
1: last I week, too. Yeah. They yeah. Against the 49ers, the thing too. About that, same thing
2: it's, and I thought that Dan Orlovsky and Sage Rosenfels, who were talking about this and played in that Kubiak offense, they were discussing this on Twitter. And I thought it was a very good point. Right, this is, it's it's a VHS copy of what a lot of those boot teams do, where you're taking what you think is the answer, but you don't actually know how to protect yourself in it. So it's a couple, yeah. like all the different examples here are important. I think. Okay, so you're playing against the Niners last week. You have. Multiple successful boot plays to the right that are naked against the Niners. Why does that work, and why is that sound process? Because Nick Bosa tears down the line of scrimmage in those moments. It is not a coaching point for the Steelers, for the Niners, for him to play up the field against boots. As more teams in the NFL embrace this type of offense and embrace this offensive system. It has been an accentuated coaching point from defenses to say, screw the run. I don't need you to f- sift down the line of scrimmage. If you see run action away, you're going toward the quarterback. The Niners don't do that. So it made sense to not block Nick Bosa, even though he's an elite pass rusher in those moments. When you're playing against TJ Watt, you can't do that. He's not going to do that. You need, in some way, to seal off that side. You need a chip. The same way they had a chip on that boot to the left on the big throw to commit so it's just these little tiny gaps even if the idea of let's run more boots does make sense you can't just say that as an answer you still have to dig down on the little tiny details that don't
1: get your quarterback killed even though they put him in a good situation this it, it's so funny because I mean the NFL is just so much. It's matchups like that's the thing. It, it and a league of parity. There, yes, you just have to find where's our ninety rated guy going against their seventy rated guy. I'm just using Madden ratings. So I the problem is the Bears on. have very <laughs> few ninety rated guys. Yeah, so it's like, but that's what NFL you're is. You're 85, it's like guy.
4: Yeah, you're 85, <laughs> guy. You're
1: 81. You know, it, But finding enough of those and then just pounding away at finding those matchups, like that that's in some way, shape, or form. Robert and I talk about how the Saints will poke and prod with formations and, and motions and personnel groupings, and then when they find their punk, like find their guy they're going after, then they just go boop, 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 boo, and pound away at it. I watched Drew Brees, when I was with the Raiders, find Malcolm Smith on every single play and find him he wasn't the Mike <laughs> linebacker he was not the Mike linebacker it was not him finding the mic it was him finding all right where's my guy where's my fish there he <laughs> is okay swear to god uh, yeah watch what his stats were for that game too but going and finding like what the answer why i'm saying like the matchup stuff matters and knowing what your personnel and knowing what the other team personnel it's such a great point robert's bringing it up is a lot of these teams get the final answer they see what the translation is but they don't know don't have the rosetta stone like you see what these other teams are running these cool plays but you don't know how to translate it you don't know how to teach it and you see i mean you see it count countless teams do it i mean every team does it in some way shape or form some teams are better at um, reverse engineering the play and putting rules to it, and that's why that's why guys visit. You'll see, oh, this NFL coach visited this college, this college coach visited this NFL team because they're trying to figure out the rules. Everyone can guess what's going on, but it's just figuring out, hey, if this happens, this happens, this happens. But why I'm saying that is there's a play that the Bears have run. I've no- I've noticed it the last year or so. It's a, like a spacing concept. You'll see you see the tight end kind of like running a bender, and then the two outside receivers kind of running inside hitches and stopping. Straight from the Chiefs. The difference is when the Chiefs run it, they make it a four-strong version, and then they ISO Travis Kelsey. It's a lot better when you run these strong these concepts. They're called four-by-one concepts, and you isolate Travis Kelsey as opposed to a Jesse James or a Cole Komet. Right. And it's just a classic thing where they take the play, and they take the idea, and they bastardize it. And it's just like, well, yeah, by it good. By the way, that was good. the play where he
2: got lit up on Minka on the sideline. That was the exact play that yes. you're talking about.
1: But it was like, yes, it's like, okay, that's great. Like when you have Travis Kelsey as your isolated guy running a win route, and then you run this other stuff over here. But then when it's like when, when you run it, it doesn't look as cool. So you're just getting these kind of Diet Coke versions of what 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 other teams are running. But that's just an understanding of what the scheme is and knowing what the matchups are.
3: It's that sense again, like Robert said, they're trying to figure it out here on the fly. On the fly. On the fly. <laughs> like
4: there's – they are. I mean, Nagy basically admitted that yesterday, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And and it's press like that's
1: why the bye weeks could be huge for him. He said, I we're mean, figuring out what
4: works, like what Justin wants, what he's comfortable doing, what he can do. And 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 that's where I think but, like but, it's okay to have some optimism about the rest of the season and, and just in terms of that development.
3: And there's layers yes. to that.
4: Just look at like
3: Allen Robinson's game against Pittsburgh as opposed to Allen Robinson versus everybody else. It's trying to figure yep. out how things work with fields, and then everybody else. Cole Komets increased in targets and whatnot. There's just there's layers to it. It's it's weird to say in week nine that they're still figuring it out, but that's what happens when you throw the Andy Dalton plan away, week three. <laughs> You know what? That's a
4: that, uh, that's a great segue because this is something we need to address. Um, I, I, like Robert, I know you get frustrated. Um, we get frustrated too here. And and John's, I think, reached a breaking point the other day. So I just we 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 had to do a little investigation to make sure this actually happened because we were unsure in the moment if it did. But this was from our podcast last week. What a waste of time training camp was, guys. <laughs> just. Just dropped an F bomb. Like that's how frustrated the guy is with what happened in training camp. What a waste of time training camp was, guys.
3: <laughs> I don't think that the F bomb was that loud. I I feel like I said that underneath my breath. Well it you Kent, did, but you still said it. I think Kent edited that to and he increased the volume on the F bomb. But yes, that did that happened. Waste of time. Absolute waste, waste of, time. of
1: time. It was. <laughs> it was, it was we, we got some cool we got some cool fields clips it made it like the field stuff like trying to find like bigfoot you're like oh man like, especially on twitter for guys that aren't practice i was like because <laughs> then you just saw those two throws a day like at least made that fun it was like making the like the search the search mission on twitter a little bit fun. the,
4: the red zone session against the dolphins in yeah, their in the, in the joint practice and but the, like honestly we were standing there we we're like oh this actually looks a lot different like this is I know it's a practice, and it's hard to put like, too much stock into like a training camp practice, but this is uh, this is different. That was against Dolphin starters. It was. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yep. It's All right. Like, let's see. Oh, yeah, he, he, he's a little fast. He's big, and he can run really fast and throw it really far. This is right. cool. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
3: LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
4: All right, so um, here's what we want to do. I want to play our voicemails from the game the other night. These tend to, you can talk about the roller coaster of emotions during a football game, and this every week you know, just is, is perfect. So uh, here's, uh, here's what our listeners had to say throughout the game and after the game once it was over. Hello? Do you know who this
0: is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game.
4: Go Bears!
3: Well, Hogan Johns, you know, living in Arizona does have its perks sometimes. Recreational marijuana is legal here so I get to watch this Travis Shan mockery of a game tonight. High as
4: f-. Fire Matt Nagy. See, Matt Nagy just screwed the bands again, cause he didn't need to call that first time out, cause Justin Fields actually did his job and got the offense to line up, even though there was some confusion, and there was still eight seconds left on the clock. But Matt Nagy, the muppet that he is, has just wrecked
3: momentum again.
4: This offense is a joke. I think Matt Nagy's why is us not lining up correctly on back-to-back plays. I
3: mean, I feel like Matt
4: Nagy is just trolling us. An illegal formation coming out of a timeout.
0: It's amazing. Smooth offense last week. Terrible offense this week. I wonder what the difference is. Fire him. Dude, come on, Mike. Seriously, how many chances are we going to give Nagy to do the same shit over and over every week? You know, the... The announced
4: team, you know, they go out and after the students score that touchdown, they're like, they're just making it look easy. It never looks easy with the Bears. Never, the offense is always broken. We need to be unflex from sending that football immediately. We cannot do this again. So whatever we need to do to get out of it, we need to do right now. What do you talk about all week? What do you show these players on film? What are you practicing? Uh, does anybody know what, I mean, how many
1: of these guys just sort of don't know what's going on when they run out of the field and they don't want to raise their hand because they don't want
0: to get, get benched? If the Bears had competent ownership, Matt and Aggie would be fired by halftime. Y'all yeah, saw that the Bears forced the punt, right? They did that. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be back next year. I think this first half is a perfect representation of what the Bears are. Some great flashes by Fields, but ultimately dragged down by the O-line penalties. Anyway, bear down.
4: Oh, my God. How do you leave T.J. Watt unblocked?
0: I mean, only the Bears would find a way to punt from that situation. What's up, Holden Johns? Uh, This is Alex. I'm calling from lovely Madison, Wisconsin. Lucky me. I'm a Bears fan in Wisconsin.
3: Uh looking across the street at my neighbor's uh, Green Bay Packers flag in his yard. Uh, I think, judging by how this game's going, I'm going to walk across the street, pick it up off the lawn, and
0: put it right through my eye. Thank you, Matt Nagy! And I'm done. I, I, I'm just done. I can't do it anymore. I don't know what I hate more. The fact that the Bears never seem to get any better, or the fact that everyone else agrees that they can only get much, much worse. It's a good thing that I've got you know, low cholesterol because I think my heart would have exploded in the first half of this game. Three weeks ago at the gym, I dropped a dumbbell on my fingertip and had half my fingertips amputated. This is honestly more painful than that.
4: <laughs> Newly um, found Bears fan due to Justin Fields' Buckeye fandom here. How do you guys do this? How have you guys been doing this? This is actually insufferable. Hey, Ogie. Hey, Johns. This is Jake
3: from Manhattan, Kansas. And uh, I just wanted to thank the Bears because they gave me a reason to
0: drink on a Monday night.
3: That taunting call was the worst f***ing call I've ever seen in my entire life. F- that. F- the refs. F- this season. Good night.
1: The refs really messed this game up. I'm just so
2: angry. Man, the Steelers got away with so much BS. Adam
4: Hogue. This one might be on you. Jesus. What can I say other than death by doink? At least Fields looks good, though. Hey
0: there, hoagie cat, Z, babe. Uh, poo, poo, poo in my face. Poo in my eyes. Poo down my throat. Optimistic Bob calling in from the ketchup capital of the world here in Pittsburgh. Terrible place. Um, The Bears
4: just got jobbed. You know, this is a tough one to swallow tonight. But um, moving forward, overall, things are looking good. Let's go Bears. Bear down. Three and whatever. Six. Eleven
0: and six. Still gets you to the playoffs. Let's go Bears.
4: (laughs) Optimistic Bob. He sounded like he was in pain, though.
0: (laughs) He did.
3: I was expecting more... At the end, I don't They're know. Like, people. Where, where's the Justin Fields love at the end? Kent, you had 100 to go through. Everybody would just, I, I guess, the the officiating in, you know, yeah, like, that kinda, hip checks. Kent. It was probably easier to, <laughs> to, to
4: be excited the next day.
1: <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Officiating was awful. People had to sleep on it and go, oh, Fields wasn't so, Fields was fun. I, I love the I mix back. I understand of accents. that. Oh, it's amazing there's so I mean
2: listen it's a big tent here over with the Chicago Bears fan base i I understand being upset about the outcome, and I understand fixating on that. I will admit that the biggest thing that's changed about me is how process oriented and scientifically I can see this crap now where it's like i I've removed <laughs> a lot of the emotion from it, and now it's like all right. How do we get from point A to point B? That's what matters to me. So it's, I, it's a much more of a bird's eye, big picture view than I would have taken 10 years ago. I would have been sick about the calls. But now it's like, all right, let's just perspective, everyone. Perspective is very important here. Turned and you. that's kind of the, it's the drum I'm beating all the time, unfortunately. It's because so much of my heart has died. I've turned you into a robot. I mean that that's, yeah. that's the biggest problem, is it? I have, I no longer have emotions. I just I just see this from a purely antiseptic viewpoint.
1: I I you sound like a coach's kid by this point. Like that's what you you honestly, but that's what you you got it ripped out in your twenties and thirties by but it, like it built up. Like when you're a coach's kid or like involved with it, it, like your heart gets broken at like nine years old, and you're just like, yeah, this is hard. <laughs> this is hard to come back from. So like that's the thing. It's it's been really fun to like hear Robert turn into a. I would say a football watching robot, but learning to kind of detach himself at times and go like, hey, you had some good process there. So this is it's fun to I, I don't know if this is good or bad, that like, I don't know if it's like we. I'm watching you like lose your childhood a little bit or like, you know, like, like go like that. But I, uh, I understand that completely because it's like when I watch this stuff, I love the chronological chronological order of those voicemails. I thought that was what, that was what was so fun with it. Like you could hear halftime, 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 and then you heard okay some fields stuff. I think I love the uh, the death by doink, and then fields looks good though. Like and then it was <laughs> yeah. like, yep, there you go, perfect. <laughs> That's it. That summarizes the
2: game That's completely. It. That's it. It is funny though because as much as I have some distance from it now, I when they had the ball on that last drive, um, I reacted during that Allen Robinson throw yeah. when he hit that ball. I scared my dog. And my fiance, who was sitting on the couch with me, I, yeah. it, that it, it, there are times where it's impossible to not kind of fall back into that, even if you're trying to step outside yeah. of the moment by moment living and dying aspect of it. Because I want them to succeed, like I desperately want them to succeed. I just know that their pathway to that is tied up mostly in whether or not he ends up being good.
3: I, I yeah. said this after the game. When he took the field with 26 seconds left, I thought to myself, oh man, the Bears still have a chance. I have not thought that about any other quarterback in a long time. didn't have that with Jay Cutler for as good as he was late in games, but I found that like so unique to me for having covered the team. <laughs> uh, this is my 10th year. Having... Growing up in Chicago, like I have never had that feeling about the Bears. Here they are with no timeouts, twenty six seconds left, and here's this rookie quarterback. Oh, they have a shot. Like I've never I don't know if you felt the same, Robert or, or Nate. Like I thought that with twenty six seconds well, left. I just what, thought that was different. They have Which a shot. again
4: though, which again Why did you try a sixty-five-yard field goal when the guy's never made more than a fifty-five-yarder in his entire life? Like, I—it's a long shot either way. But why take the ball out of the quarterback's hands? i I don't. And especially when you consider—and I—and I I wrote this yesterday. If you guys, Robert, I'm sure you remember this. They almost had that miracle play at Lambeau two years ago. That was actually drawn up well with a couple laterals. And if Jesper Horsted pitches the ball back to wide open, Allen Robinson was running down the sideline. They could have tied that game. So it's, they have a we know they have a play. How do you try a field goal that is 9 yards longer than the longest field goal ever made in that stadium and 10 yards longer than your kickers ever made in his life? I don't understand
1: it. If they go for a Hail Mary, it makes it's no the, sense. It's the one time to use the three receiving tight ends because then you get the height on the field. <laughs> you you know, the one time they found a use for him, they could have had it right then and there. But I would say with the the having a quarterback that makes you feel that way, I mean, I mean, how was you like when Wisconsin Russ Russ is one year there? It's like that's kind of what that feeling is. You're like, hey, like we played Ohio State, they scored. Um, what's his name? He ended up being a receiver for Houston Texans, but he he throws a touchdown, and it was like, oh my god, we have 32 seconds left, one timeout. Russ marched us down, and we had a chance, and it was yeah. just like, but that that feeling was like no one on the sideline like was rattled. Everyone's like, all right, number 16's got us. He was 16 then. I know he's is three now, but it's Doug, like he's got us. Is that Jeff Duckworth? Yeah, uh, duck. Duck had the uh, Big Ten championship one. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, same thing, same exact thing. Because that was a fourth and four, Mm -hmm. and it was a fourth and four. We went for it at midfield. No one blinked an eye because it was like, well, Russ is going to make it right. Like, and that's what a good quarterback does. We, and I've talked about a million times about like, you know, sometimes with the Chiefs stuff, but it's just like when you have Mahomes, it kind of everything tastes a lot sweeter when you have that quarterback.
2: (laughs) Part of the reason,
1: most of the reason I was
2: disappointed and frustrated at the taunting call isn't because I thought it was a terrible call, which it was, but I was just laughing at the call mostly. It was that I wanted to see him with a chance. I wanted to see him in that situation with the game on the line. What does it look like? And one, it's to gauge information and just to have him go through that process, which is important at this stage of his development. But two... By the end of that game, I was excited about that idea. I was excited about getting to watch him do it. I didn't know if it was going to happen, but that, to me, is the most important thing. It's like, all right, I don't know whether or not Justin Fields is going to be good. I don't – you know. they were listening to Chicago Sports Talk Radio and conversations on Tuesday morning. It's like, oh, we have a quarterback now. I'm going to pump the brakes on that. I've been, <laughs> had my heart broken many, many times. But getting excited about it and seeing this part of the development – and just seeing those steps that he's taking, that's the part I'm enjoying. I don't know if we've gotten to the end result of this is the future now, but I'm enjoying the process. And that, to me, was the most interesting, intriguing, potentially exciting part of this season. And I was really, really worried after that Browns game that that process and that experience was going to be stolen from us. And now, the fact that we're getting it, and even if there have been some low moments the overall trajectory, even if there have been some ebbs and flows in the middle of it, is heading in an upward direction. That is very exciting to me. And that is why right now I feel pretty good wearing this hat. I feel pretty good about where (laughs) things are. And it's hard to have a dour understanding and a dour opinion of the Bears right now.
3: I think the next part of this conversation is what's that trajectory. But as you mentioned, getting from point A to point B, like who is in charge of point B? Like, is it still the guys right now who are figuring out this offense? Is it a change at top with Ryan Pace? But, like, point B has to be a constant conversation at hell. So I'm talking about George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, uh, the board board members and whatnot. Like, what do you, what do you guys want to see for point B? Do you want to see this through with Matt
1: Nagy? Like, what do you guys think? Uh, I want to see a better offense around Justin Fields. So I think that leads to the answer. (laughs) Um, And I think and I I personally, I want to see an offense and I don't know if he is the guy. I don't even know how he would be as a candidate, but an offense that does. I think number I I think when uh, when I came on the show before and, and you guys talked about how everything should be prioritized to to appeal to number one. Like he's the most important guy on this franchise now. And this might have been a uh, Ho, uh, uh, You might've had it. Like you might've said it after a game. Maybe I'm trying to remember where I heard you guys talking about it, but that's what it is. It's all right. What is best for Justin Fields? Okay. And then we go from there to me, it's getting an offense, a guy that's comfortable in that type of offense, not taking till week 10 and having a regime going like, wow, we're still running quick game. We're still figuring it out ourselves. It's like, I get that. And I get, they have a bye week here and I'm sure this offense is going to take a next step after this bye week that most offenses and defenses do if they have good coaching, but it's, I don't know. I'd rather have a guy that's more comfortable. This is what they do. A, a, a Kellen Moore type, a Byron Leftwich type that has those offensive roots that would appeal to what Justin Fields can do. And then you just fill out from there. GM wise, whatever. Uh, I think most GMs is just like, I, I could, I don't know who's, who, who's good. I mean, unless <laughs> you know these people, unless you know these people and talk to them, it's so hard to decipher because a lot of, you know, it's so much is just messaging and stuff. So, but I think as coaching wise, it's like, you got to go with, I think it's an offensive guy and you just, Find find a guy that synergizes with Justin Fields. He has to have some say if you do think he's the guy. and I think you do. And I, I just want to actually talk about real quick what May said. Real quick was uh, he was talking about how like hey you know I don't want to like anoint him or anything too. That's what's fun I think with this Fields performance is he did all these fun things and there's still so much more room to grow. And it's like that's yes. what's so cool. Like he made mistakes. Like he honestly made mistakes. I was watching the game yesterday. He made a couple mental errors. He was too quick. And all that. But that's what's cool. I want a guy to see a guy that's going to go take what he has right there. But unlock the stuff that he's really good at and work with that, and go from there. I want an offensive
2: staff that is fluent in a certain set of ideas, not one that's learning them through Babble every single week and then trying to communicate yes. them to the quarterback. <laughs> that that that's my concern here. And I think that you're scrambling on offense right now. You're trying to figure out solutions and piece this thing together. I just think it should be easier and smoother than what it looks like right now and what it's looked like since this offensive staff got here. It's not as though the process of figuring out what Justin Fields is what I'm concerned about. I want us to understand the deficiencies in process over Mm -hmm. the last three or four years as they relate to this franchise, as they relate to what the offensive plan has looked like, as they relate to what the structure of the offense has looked like essentially since they got here. And then you extend that to the personnel side of this. The process has been consistently bad. The fact that they fell into Justin Fields because they missed out on the desperation plays they tried to make several other times at quarterback this offseason is not to me enough to save this current regime when you consider all of the shortcomings in process that they've had over the last few years. It has been a long time since this team went about things in a way that made sense as part of one cohesive vision where you're doing the right things to get from point A to point B. I don't want us to get obsessed with what things look like right now and because Justin Fields looks okay and use it as a justification for this group to be the ones you lean on to get the most out of him over the next five years.
4: Well, Robert, I think that that's, that goes back to something we talk about a lot and we talked a lot about at the end of last season. You have to trust the guys at the top then to make that evaluation that you're talking about and that's where over the next there's a lot of football left guys there's eight games and a lot can happen and that's where two things do not align together because if Justin Fields continues to go up like this like at some point you do have to give the coaching staff credit for his development like at least John D Filippo the quarterback's coach right like somewhere in there you can't just say it's all Justin Fields like something's happening But at the same time, if things do start to look better offensively, you have to make a tough decision, I feel like, and understand, does that mean it's going to carry over to next year? Because you've already been through this before. Remember the whole, uh, which was technically Trubisky's third year, not second year, but second year in Matt Nagy's offense, that whole offseason, him talking about going from Matt Nagy 101 to Matt Nagy 202. And I say that in terms of the offense that Mitch, that's the jump Mitch had to take and it didn't happen. So do you put that on him as the quarterback prospect or how much was it the system he had to make that jump in? And that's a, that's a tough call. And so if things continue to go well, the rest of the way for the quarterback, I I don't know that that necessarily leads to the change. Everybody wants to see. Oh, I, I compared this situation
2: to the situation with the Chargers last year. Yeah. I thought that Stange, Stange, Shane Steichen did some good stuff. I thought that there were elements of their offense that worked, but it was clear that something had to change. You can't, as soon as you get back into this tinkering mindset where you start rationalizing, well, if this is a little bit different, and then if this is a little bit different. that We had this conversation about the Vikings this week with me and Nate on the show when you start talking yourself into the tiny little differences, well, this is why it's going to be different this time. Yep. You start digging yourself a hole that is eventually going to be really hard to get out of. When you look at what the last few years have looked like what the process and what the step-by-step approach has been on every single level, it is not a good approach. And I think if you look at the roster right now, similar to what the chargers had this off where they had some space and they have a couple building blocks, but let's remake the offensive line. Let's use the cap space that we have. This roster overall is closer to starting over than it is to pushing it across a finish line based on progress they had already made. And I think if you have some self-awareness as an organization and can see that and extricate what the quarterback looks like from what the last few years have looked like, you need to do that. That is the most important thing to me. I don't know if they're going to, but I think that's gonna be
3: an important conversation. I think what probably stings our listeners, those watching on YouTube, just, just Bears fans in general, is who who has that self awareness? Like who who's having those conversations? Like it's such a damned if you do, damned if you don't process because those shots will come from like those decisions. Will come from George McCaskey and Ted Phillips. So if they fire Matt Nagy and, and they fire Ryan Pace, those two, the two that brought you Mark Tressman and Phil Emery, with the help of Ernie Accorsi, I guess for a little bit. No, that was after. That brought you John Fox. Sorry again, but that's the point. They're in charge of your next football decision. Like to me, can you separate Matt Nagy from Ryan Pace? Can Ted, can Ted Phillips be removed from the the saying the next GM hire? Like there's so many layers to to this because it's the bears like it's like it's it's this is where i think it gets frustrating like i can hear your exasperation a little bit nate it's just like these conversations being had are are probably the conversations bears fans don't want to hear or have people you know have a say in this
1: yeah i mean we we can talk about scheme and you know there's stuff to be desired all the time with the coaches too but like what you're saying with pace and all that we, I cracked a joke. I was like, "You wanted your ninety rated Madden player, Madden player against their 70 and you guys all laughed and said, "Well, it's the Bears, so who drafts the players?" So it's like, "All right, well, you know, it's you can scheme up all you want, but it's it's really hard to scheme bad players or or even just average players." And that I think it's just that's kind of like like I said before, we bashed the offense, and now we bash some of the players, and that kind of leads to your answers, um, even if. This whole show has been process and results, process and results. Even if the results are good, what is the process from four plus years, you know, three plus years shown us? Okay. A a little bit to be desired. So even if I think it's just if you see these results that are what you want to see, it's still one of those things where it's like, yeah, but we've seen a lot more evidence that what everything they do before those results isn't what we want to build around. But again, like you say, how many building
2: block players do they have? Yep. How many guys that you, that you yeah. can say, all right, How many they did this is one? a guy who's going to be part of the core for the next five years, especially on offense. Yes. How many of those guys exist? The, the meat of this roster, the building blocks, the connective okay. tissue of this roster is not good. And I think the sooner you realize you know, like, that and the, the sooner you remove yourself from whatever this vision was and understand that you need a different vision they have resources next year they traded away their first round pick it's a trade you make a hundred times out of a hundred for a quarterback prospect like justin fields other than that Mm -hmm. they can hit a soft reset button this spring this is not a bad job if you can find a personnel executive and a coach that has a vision for justin fields this is a team that could have some cap space next year can move on from sort of from some of its aging pieces, and you can figure out what the next version of this looks like in
3: a semi-clean way. And I think that is the best way forward. See, everything you just said there, Robert, just leads me to to believe that like the Bears will give Ryan Pace a chance at that over somebody else. <laughs> like I I, I I I firmly believe that because I don't think they want to go on another GM search. I know. You do another GM search, you get another coaching search. I don't think they want to go down that path again. I, I firmly believe that too. Like George McCaskey and Ted Phillips, they don't want to do that. They want to make this work with the guys they have now. Maybe that means there's got to be a coaching change, but everything you just said there like leads me to believe that okay, this soft rebuild, Ryan. You got our quarterback. Let's see what you could do. Like, like you could like you may not have cornerstones, but you got maybe young guys you feel good about. You know, guys that are under 25. You Which know, ones? like.
4: Um, that's uh, that's the problem because yeah, like yeah. David Montgomery's a running back oh, that a, you probably a, shouldn't give a long term yeah. contract. You traded
2: up to go get you traded away yeah. to I picked to go get him. Even in those moments, it's it, the, again the process is so bad so often, and you're just moving around problems to create other problems. It just <laughs> the tinkering it it is not a path forward. It just really isn't. And I know that maybe that's the case, Adam, when they say, we'd rather have this group figure it out. But, oh, man, it, it, that is a frightening proposition because I just don't think that we, we've seen from that group over the last several years warrants faith that they can find their way out of this. I I, I just really don't.
3: I guess the question is, do you have... I know we're going to wrap this up soon, but do you have more faith in Ryan Pace trying to figure this out, or do you have more faith in Ted Phillips and George McCaskey hiring the correct replacement for Ryan Pace?
2: Probably One the pace latter, is. just because yeah. I know what the former looks like. Yeah, I know what the former <laughs> looks like. I, I, I want someone to come in and I, I just all right, lay out your your set of values and principles for how you would want to build a team. The moment someone says to me, well, we're going to go get our guys in the draft at the expense of sound process, that person is off the table because that's what's existed over the last five years. It's been these chasing things out of almost compulsion rather than sitting back and saying, this is how you build. This is how we have to build. And that to me is the problem is that I know that the compulsive nature of the way that they've built this team over the last few years is not conducive to long-term success. And unless you can have Ryan Pace change his stripes with the way that he does this, then I think it's going to be a problem. I don't think Ryan Pace has been some disaster of evaluation. The Bears have found a lot of players in dark corners of the draft. They've done a very good job at that at times. Larry Borum has looked really good over the first couple of weeks. His ability to kind of hold down that spot has allowed this offense to function in some ways. The problem is... You can't couple that with consistently trading away picks. You are not a better evaluator than anyone else. The guys who are the best GMs in the NFL will tell you, I hope to bat 58%, and that is why I need as many chances as possible. And if you step outside of that, it's a hubris that will doom you, and that is what has happened with this team. The only time that process is okay is when the end result is a quarterback. Other than that, it's Never going to be worth it. And that's my concern, is that if we get back on this train again, where that becomes a guiding principle of how they look at the draft, how they look at the way to build this team, you're setting yourself up for failure.
0: Have we gotten yeah, the bad. quarterback situation <laughs> no, there it is. completely right? No. Have we won enough games? No. Everything else is there.
4: It's not there, but – you
0: know. Now you
3: got the quarterback, but that's another part of the it too. Do like, so like like, like yeah. you, you trusted him to move up for the guy. Do you now trust him to build around the guy? Like this is, but I you already know. gave him the chance to no. Trubisky. This is such. <laughs> I keep using the word layers, but there's so many layers to this because you got the quarterback. Now I, we could do a whole other podcast on this. How much time no. you guys got?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, not a lot of GMs get more than they get usually two head coaches not many gms get more than one quarterback to work around either and it, you got 7 uh, years to find the quarterback you got yeah, yeah he's got you know if you get on but but there are examples
3: stamp. of it san diego arizona and tampa i mean those guys all got three coaches and multiple quarterback decisions
1: i am not copying what anything arizona does in any regard <laughs> to running an organization <laughs> 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 so but you're right i get i get what you mean it's the uh, the san uh, yeah the San Diego one was uh, an anomaly too. It was that was Breeze? And then I don't know. Th- that was too That was there was a reason Eli Manning was wanted to get traded at that time. He did not want to play for the San Diego Chargers and them. So no, that's a good point though. But that's the thing is like not a lot of guys get this amount of time. So it's like broken clocks right twice a day. You know, it's that's kind of. I mean, <laughs> we that's
3: said that in the last podcast. You, <laughs> you did say that.
1: It's kind of how I feel a little bit with with the regime. To me, it's about the
2: process versus results question. Is yeah. It's not about the results. Just because you've no. been bad. If, if you look at the Chargers, they weren't winning a lot of games. But I think for the most part, the process and how they were building the team was right. And that is my concern. Is that it's not just, well, this worked out when th- these guys were losing and their GMs hadn't been doing very well. It's do we trust the process? And I, I do not trust the process with the way that it has gone so far. Starting That's with the,
1: the Glennon, I'll say that. the the Glennon I'll say process. The Glennon uh, Trubisky back to back. I mean, day one. That was so, you know, so that's uh, a it's been a few years coming.
4: Yeah, no, there's uh, and there's some similarities with the Dalton Fields stuff, too, and how they (laughs) shenanigans. They took multiple (laughs) swings. That's what they say. All right, guys, uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, It's good to go into the bye week with uh, this much to chew on. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. The one syllable podcast. Yeah. Tice Mays Johns and Hogue, which we continue <laughs> to learn is not an easy name to say. Pool reporter Adam Hodge. Hogue? Hogue.
0: Hogue. Hogue. Hodge, Hog Hoge Hog. His interview with referee Tony Carrenti.
1: <laughs> Did you like my reference to that? I, I didn't see it. To, I'm sorry. Oh I, no! I was on this podcast. I tried to do a hit every single name throughout the podcast. Oh, I was, you I did. Just, I, just, I didn't know yeah. if that was
4: subtle or not. Yeah. That, I should have <laughs> given you more credit. That's actually genius.
3: Uh, One of I just the local
4: love... writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog? Excuse me. I don't
1: know how to pronounce the last name. I went Hoge, Hog. I did hear. I did hear the Hoge. His quote. Yeah. Courtesy of Adam Hoag. <laughs> hey. <laughs>
4: it's the gift that keeps on giving i thank my father every day it's great <laughs> all right guys uh thanks so much everybody should be listening to the athletic football show please do subscribe if you're not already you should be uh it's great to, to collaborate and uh, you should be following robert mays on twitter at robert mays nate tice is at nate underscore tice guys we appreciate it um should also mention the we have these hoodies I I forgot to mention I'm wearing it our podcast hoodies are now available I don't know it's actually at my house so I'll bring it to house hall in a week okay sorry see you Monday Uh (laughs) so these are available for pre-order now obvious check them out a portion of the proceeds throughout November goes to the 22 Q family foundation so thank you to everybody for supporting that check out the YouTube channel Hogan John subscribe these guys, they go live. What, you guys go live every Sunday night, right? Yeah, 11 p.m. Central Time. Must listen. And that's on YouTube as well, right?
2: Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, we stream it live on, on YouTube and on Twitter. So
4: if you guys want to come hang out with us late, if you're up late, uh, please come
2: join us. We, we always enjoy doing that on Sunday nights. It's
4: great. Absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to be off for the rest of the week. We'll be back next Tuesday uh, as things resume at house Hall start thinking about uh, what is actually a phenomenal quarterback matchup between Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. So we'll start getting excited about that next week. Thanks, everybody. Listening, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Hoag.
3: Hoag. 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 Hoag.